0: Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker.
1: Here's a joke, Aggie joke. So, this What's uh, an Aggie? uh, It's someone who goes to Texas A&M. They're Aggies. So this Aggie actually gets into Harvard somehow or another. He's in Harvard, and uh, he's walking around first day, looking around the campus. He goes up to someone and goes, Hey, where's the library at? And the guy goes, My good man, do you not know you don't end a sentence with a... Position and he goes, oh, hey, where's the library at, ass? I'm
0: Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from APM American Public Media, this is The Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win this weekend's dinner party. Our icebreaker this
1: week came from director Richard Linkletter. He is one of my favorites. All right. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> His new film, Bernie, opened the LA Film Festival this week. And coming up, we chat with another director, Richard Aiawati. Also, transfusion, confusion, a bloody corpse, and you know what I mean.
0: I do. But first, small talk.
1: All week long, you've been hearing this. GOP candidates debated last night in New Hampshire. In Athens, thousands of people are out demonstrating. The Dallas Mavericks are champions. And now for something you haven't heard, we turn to our colleagues at Public Radio's Marketplace. Stacey Vanek-Smith, senior reporter for Marketplace. What story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, it's actually kind of cool. They are creating a huge campground here in New York City, kind of near JFK. Oh, just like we have here in LA, except we call it Skid Row. (laughs) Kind of. There'll be uh, eventually 600 sites. Um, Uh They'll have a campfire and a picnic table. And yeah, people can camp in the middle of New York City. Well, I imagine in that insane rent market, this actually (laughs) may be a viable option for a place for people to live. That's true. Soon you won't be able to get a space without an agent. (laughs) Studio apartment in Brooklyn, (laughs) rustic, Great natural light and a lot of charm.
0: Mitchell Hartman, entrepreneurship reporter up in Portland. What are you going to be talking about this weekend? Uh, Urination believe it or not. That sounds like great dinner party fodder. Um, A guy goes up to the reservoir in Portland where the city draws its drinking water and he peed into it. It was caught on videotape, so they are draining the entire reservoir. 8 million gallons of water. They're pouring it down the sewer. Is that really necessary? It, they say it's health-wise not, but there's this gross factor. Nobody's going to want to drink the water, so they're pouring it out. A very quick question. When they drained the reservoir, did they find like a giant puck-shaped uh, freshener at the
1: bottom? I certainly hope not. Deb Clark, senior producer for Marketplace Money, what's your story this weekend?
2: Health Clips. go ahead i was just in china where apparently there's a huge appetite for all kinds of animal bits so a bunch of elk clips were part of a seizure on the russian border there were 26 of them in this huge pile of exotic animal parts they weighed by themselves 143 pounds
1: ah the famous jagger elk (laughs) and now time for cocktails Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is a fluffy cloud that rains down booze.
0: Hmm.
1: See, that's the silver lining. Do you use an umbrella in that situation?
0: Depends on if you're thirsty.
1: All right. In any case, here's the history. This week, back in 1667, the first successful blood transfusion took place. Which is not to say the ones that followed were successful. Michelle
2: Philippi tells the tale. For a while, transfusions were a bloody mess. Some historians say the first one was tried 500 years ago on a dying Pope. To save him, his not-so-advanced doctors literally fed him blood from three people who got a ducat each for their trouble, which they never spent, because the procedure killed them and the Pope. But in 1667, success, when a Frenchman named Jean-Baptiste Denis treated a wounded teenager by infusing him with sheep's blood. The kid recovered. It was a miracle. The problem? It really was kind of a miracle. The kid shouldn't have survived the transfusion of animal blood. The next time Denis tried it, his patient died. In fact, so did his next several patients, including a Swedish baron. Soon, the practice was banned. Eventually, of course, doctors figured out transfusions between people. The key being, we have four major blood types and an infusion of the wrong one can kill you. Still, as a species, we've got it easy. Cows have 11 blood types.
1: So that was the Grizzly History. Here to make sense of it is Mika, bartender at the Experimental Cocktail Club in Paris. Uh, Mika, what cocktail did this inspire you to make?
3: Uh, it's a drink based on a, on a classic cocktail called uh, the Corpse Reviver.
1: Oh yes, the Corpse Reviver, uh, apropos for blood transfusion.
3: We will try to do a bloody version of the, <laughs> of this cocktail.
1: A bloody version. I guess there was no avoiding that. Uh, so, so what do you do?
3: We add a fresh slice of uh, blood orange.
1: Okay, a blood orange.
3: 20 ml of lemon juice, one dash of absinthe.
1: Of course, absinthe is normally used for ear removal, but I guess it works for blood transfusions too. Yeah. Go ahead.
3: 20 ml of red lily. The red
1: lilet, which is uh, like a kind of a, a wine, like a sweet wine? Yeah,
3: it's a French aperitif made uh, with different infusion of different fruits. Okay. And uh, 25 ml of, of gin. And you serve it in a, in a martini glass with the tomato, spicy tomato juice shot on the side.
1: Ah, I like the spicy tomato juice. So this drink kind of sits squarely in the family of hangover recovery drinks, right? And
3: say that you have to to drink it before 11 (laughs) a.m. It's the perfect drink for for hangover.
1: Okay, well, what do you want to call this drink then?
3: Uh, why not the bloody corpse?
1: Why not? Because you don't want to be thinking about a bloody corpse while you're hungover.
3: Yeah.
0: So Brendan, here's a little extra info. Okay. Around the time of that first transfusion, they believed that you could change someone's temperament. Uh Uh-huh. Like if you were quick to temper, the blood of a gentle lamb would calm you down.
1: Oh yeah, that sounds logical.
0: (laughs) Sort of. In that
1: case, I would take like a little Bill Gates, a bunch of Oprah, balance me out there. Man,
0: too rich for my blood. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you can make yourself a plasma bag full of delicious cocktails. You'll find all our recipes at dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is Richard Aiwadi. He is one of the best-known comic actors in Britain from his roles on the TV series The IT Crowd and Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which he co-created. And right now, you can see his feature directing debut, the new coming-of-age indie film Submarine, which he also wrote. And Richard, hi. Hello. This movie is about an exceptional and exceptionally odd Welsh teenager falling in love and trying to keep his parents together. Uh, In this clip, he has faked a love letter from his dad and given it to his mom.
1: Oliver? Yes? What's this?
0: I don't know.
4: What is this?
1: Well, it looks like a letter, but I don't know what's in it.
4: I think you do know. Why did you write this, Oliver?
1: If I did write it, and I'm not as yet admitting that I did, it'd be because I've spoke to Dad. This is what he wants. He spoke to Dad. He knows he's been imperfect. What did you talk about, Oliver?
3: Listen. He still finds you attractive. He still wants to make love to you.
1: Are you making this up,
3: Oliver? Me and Dad have discussed it. We both want to make this marriage work.
1: Are you
0: with us? Now, this movie is based on a novel that you didn't write. What do you identify with in the book?
4: I just thought the character was very interesting and funny, and what was interesting was that he was continually trying to, I guess, launch a kind of preemptive strike on the world, he felt, by his understanding of films and literature that he knew exactly how to live life and right. he could sort of circumvent all of those cliches.
0: And I remember that about being a teenager, you know, like hatching these really misguided plans based on no experience whatsoever on my part to get what I wanted out of people, you know?
4: I think in a way that's possibly just the male brain, <laughs> which effectively is always trying to do that to ridiculous levels of failure. I mean, any attempt to control or manage other people tends not to end particularly well. You tend not to hear of, oh, this cult ended really great. This person decided there's this way of controlling everyone and it (laughs) really worked out. So the male brain is
0: essentially that of a cult leader.
4: I think essentially all men would ultimately be cult leaders if they could. (laughs) oh man isn't that sort of why people try and be in bands that's true you create a mini cult
0: sure I think it was Lou Reed who said that starting a band is like starting a religion
4: yeah I think it is you know you control the means of information you meter it out over time everyone ends up dressing like you (laughs) Uh, we have two
0: questions that we ask of everyone on the show sure okay the first one is if we were to meet you at a dinner party what question should we not ask you
4: um I I How dare you? I guess that would be bad if that question needed to be asked.
0: Is there something that's been sort of plaguing you on the press tour for this movie that seems to get asked over and over? I'll bet you I've asked one of them.
4: Um, No, I mean, I think you'd have to have a kind of Nero-like view of your own importance to (laughs) suddenly feel that you were plagued by a question. I mean, really, no, there's no assault. There
0: you are. But the second question is sort of the reverse of that. Tell us something we don't know. Maybe the most surprising
4: moment in the making of this movie? An anecdote, perhaps? I'm trying to think. There's some bits where Craig, Craig Roberts, the actor, had to bicycle. And Craig is a, a man with seemingly no lower body strength. And so. <laughs> Craig when... is
0: a young and, and very gawky young man, I would say. Yeah.
4: So whenever he would cycle, I'd always have to cycle back to where we started shooting while he got a lift. He insisted that he was going to vomit if he had to keep cycling. So, this generation, what can you say? So therefore to
0: him the term, it's easy, it's just like riding a
4: bicycle, yeah. is like a horrible slight. That's just like saying it's just like having to do prolonged weightlifting. <laughs> it's as easy as getting punched in the head. Yeah.
0: And you know Brendan, Richard is clearly a smart guy. Yeah but I'm not sure that I agree with the whole all men or closet cult leaders thing. Maybe it's a little hyperbolic to Mm -hmm.
1: me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure I buy it either. What is, what's this? Uh, It's just some uh, Kool-Aid I made. Oh, that's so nice. (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to experience everlasting peace and oneness, go to facebook.com slash dinner party download where you'll find instructions on how to worship me.
0: (sighs) This tastes a little weird. And that's the Dinner Party download for this week. Thanks to Jackson Musker and Robbie Carmen. And now we leave you with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's Dinner Party.
1: The appropriately named cults, they're not just a lifestyle, they're a band. Here's their track, You Know What I Mean. Bon Appetit.
0: Francis Noonan. And I'm Rico Francis Noonan. And for the first time in my life... I feel free. That's because you gave me all your money. You're right!